Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little, and this is Season 3, Episode 4. Today's episode is one you might want to grab some coffee or tea, put your earphones in, and kind of putter about the garden, because it's one of those conversations that you might want to have with a friend, and that's kind of what it was. It was a friendly conversation with Julie Rohr. She was my guest on Episode 2-1. And over the last year and a half, we've kind of become internet garden friends. Uh, we both live in Texas. She lives just outside of Austin, and I'm just outside of Houston. But we've never met. However, through this miraculous thing called the internet, we've become pretty good friends. Um, as good as friends as you can be through email and Instagram and chatting on a podcast. So we, I originally wanted to talk to her back in the summer um, about biodynamics because it's something she practices somewhat in her garden Um, but as things happened we didn't get a chance to talk and um, then she kind of changed her plans with some of her garden and honestly it was probably the best thing that ever happened we had a great conversation we just chatted about different things going on in in her garden and um, a little bit about mine and kind of talked about garden goals and things we'd like to do and how to be better so Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I also want to thank everybody who sent in their gardening whys, uh, whether you've done it by audio or video or your little written snippet. Thank you so much. So please keep them coming. I like to have more of them in. Um, The deadline is still by December 1st. So if you don't haven't listened to the other episodes, uh, episode 3-0, I kind of want to know collect all of y'all's whys for garden. Why you garden? Just send me a quick audio file from your phone, um, one to two minutes, telling me why you garden, what gardening means to you, and upload it and send it to me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com. If you can't figure out the audio uh, memo, you can send me a quick video as well, and I will be able to strip out the audio for that too. And if you're just really not interested in either one of those options, you're welcome to type up a, a little paragraph and I will read it for you. So please, no matter where you're at, I've had someone from Wales send something. So, hey, that's awesome. So maybe you're gardening in Australia or South America somewhere. Please, I'd love to know your whys for gardening too. Um, all right, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you listen to. And as always, you can sign up for the newsletter at thegardenpathpodcast.com. Listen and download from there as well. And email me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so I guess, how are you doing? How's your garden? And it's not really fall yet, kind of. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The only, you know, our garden's doing great. We've, it's been loving all the rain that we've had. And, um, of course that's brought all the mosquitoes. Um, but besides that, I don't know if you have the mosquitoes right now too, but they're just horrendous. (laughs) Yeah. They actually weren't too bad. Like I felt like the summer I was like, okay, maybe we're going to escape, but we're not going to too bad. But after, after Harvey, it just, they went ramped up like crazy. So yeah. So besides that, it's all good. Everything's starting to grow and, you know, get ready to for all the cool weather and all the mornings are really nice and cool too. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's like the first two or three hours when you get up, you're like, okay, this is pleasant. But by midday, it's like, uh, it's hot and humid again. Right. Yeah. Like around 1030, it's like, all right, well, it's about time to go in. <laughs> yes. There was like a brief like week or two where I was coming home at lunch, I would do my whatever I want to do in the yard and um, I wouldn't have to shower. I wasn't sweaty, but now it's back to like, maybe I should take another shower before I come back to work. <laughs> yeah. So. Has your uh, garden actually, you know, have you been able to clean everything up and is it starting to look almost, you know, normal again or. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, right I, I pretty much got it like cleaned up within that, the week after the storm um, because mostly, and I actually worked really hard. Like we were off work for like, over a week. And, um, so after the storm had moved away and moved East, I pretty much went out the next couple of days and just took some time getting things cleaned up, um, as much as I could at least. And, uh, there's still, you know, 
things, there's always something to do, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's always, you know, ongoing forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the most of it, I got rid of the stuff that it died and, um, you know, re sewn uh, false stuff. So most things have germinated pretty good. Um, I'm going to re sew a few other things that haven't come up yet, but yeah, that's just par for the course. So yeah. Uh, you were talking about mosquitoes. I know you've mentioned uh, fire ants before. Um, I think you were complaining about people telling you that they don't kill plants, but they really do because they mound over your over your plants, and then they you can't they don't get light. So have you had any problems with that after the rains? Because I know I have. Oh yeah, we've had a lot. They just literally pop up everywhere, and yeah, we. <sighs> I mean, I'm embarrassed to even say what we do, but like um, my husband goes out and he pees on the mounds and that's the only thing. And I swear it's the only thing that works for us so far. We have tried everything. I hadn't thought about that one. Uh, Maybe I should save like, (laughs) (laughs) do some interesting things here. I know people have said that for deer too, Um, but Instead yeah. of doing like coyote urine and all that stuff, people are just like, just go pee in your garden. Yeah. I mean, it's not something we share with most people, but I guess, you know. <laughs> now everybody on the podcast knows. Yeah, exactly. But it seems to really irritate them for whatever reason. And so, yeah, we've done that a couple times because I hate it being – I mean, I don't mind if they're out in the yard. It's like, cool, you can stay here and do whatever you need to do. But when it when they're in where the food is and it's all the tiny little plants, it's mm. like, oh, no, you're going to really, you know, take yeah. a beating. Yeah. 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 My husband had found some sort of supposedly safer, better fire ant killer. And it's one of the few things that we do use around the yard because fire ants are just, well, they're, they're not native and they're really just a pain. Um, but we don't use it in the vegetable garden. We use it like out in the lawn or whatever when they come up problems like that. But yeah, in the edible garden, all I can do is just spray water and it really just moves them somewhere else. It doesn't, they don't necessarily (laughs) go away, but right. And all those little remedies of like orange peels and whatever else you might see on like Pinterest does not work. So no, we've tried every single thing that everyone has ever told us, and except for, like, the really harsh chemicals, because, I mean, I know that that'll do it, but I just don't want to put that in our yard. Yeah. But, yeah, we've tried everything. It doesn't work. They yeah. are immune to everything. <sighs> Fire ants. <Yes. laughs> um, so, I guess this summer you kind of scrapped your whole garden and kind of started over. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we did. We, um, yeah, I I just started feeling like it wasn't working. Like, you know, the traditional gardening methods and how we do things, it just wasn't working. And so, yeah, we pulled everything and except for, you know, we did keep a few things like in raised beds and whatnot, because we didn't, we wouldn't have had any food over the summer. Um, and we started reading, um, all of Fukuoka's books, Mm -hmm. but, about the natural farming and we had already started experimenting a little bit with like the hay mulching and whatnot. And believe it or not, that really started something good because we could tell there was such a difference between without the hay and with the hay that the soil was really just staying so nice and, and lush under there that we were like, there's got to be different ways to do things than what we have been doing. So, yeah, so we started um, working with someone and um, she kind of came up with a plan. We just got it a couple weeks ago, but we haven't implemented anything yet. But, um, yeah, and it kind of, um, it starts incorporating some Fukuoka's, you know, the, the no cultivation, no fertilizer, using, like, cover crops for, you know, like weeds enriching the soil instead of always taking weeds away mm-hmm. um, and the no pesticides, which we were already doing anyway. But, um, and she got rid of about 50% of our, our lawn, which oh. we have a really big area. And, um, and so she got rid of that and she's putting in lots of natives and also starting to do like the radish for the, you know, for opening up the soil and doing some of the clover and what, you know, a lot of the um, cover crops. 
And so we're just going to start really slowly kind of testing areas. And then she said, just, you know, kind of open it up. And so she has a plan for it and we're going to go from there and kind of, you know, do whatever we can to get started this winter. Um, and yeah, and kind of incorporate those into how we're going to start gardening in the future, because it's, it is a little different when you start thinking of year round gardening for food and how you can do it without like clearing the slate every time and weeding and like doing all the stuff. And, and I know that gardening is always going to be effort. It's not that there's no effort involved, but mm-hmm. it just seems like there was a better way for some reason for us. So I guess maybe go back a little bit. What were you doing beforehand? You said you're conventional. Were you tilling? Were you, did you put any mulch down? I mean, what's the, what's the yeah. drastic learning? Like, what do you say? Oh my goodness. What's, what's different? Yeah, so we no longer are doing all the tilling. I mean, we did do a little bit when we first were putting down the hay just to loosen the soil up because it was so it compacts so so much here that it's just like a big rock almost feeling like. Um, But yeah, since all the areas that have had hay on it don't need it as much, and we're kind of incorporating the hay into the soil as well, so it's almost like how they talk about if you have little twigs and stuff to leave them on the ground because they're going to decompose anyway. And that will, yeah. So it's kind of that philosophy. So we're just, we're not, what we used to do is, you know, clear the land, till it, do all the, you know, like basically all that stuff and, and traditional like gardening methods. And so yeah, we're kind of trying to do less and less of those things that like, move the soil so much and like uh, bring up all the other seed, you know, like all right. the other, yeah, just kind of, uh, I guess more natural. I don't, I don't even yeah. know what the yeah. word is. Yeah. No, I understand. It's a little bit, it's, it's permaculture. And like you said, the, the natural. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mix of everything. Like I feel like we're kind of touching on a lot of things. So it's hard to even say like, we're not like strict or I mean, well, we are organic, but I mean, it's not like we're strict in any specific method we're kind of just picking what works for us in each method and using those now why didn't you opt to go for raised beds you know i'm not sure why we never did raised beds until this summer well we did it it was mother's day is when i got the pepper patch um and i guess it was just because we felt like you should be able to work the soil like you should be able to like get in there and make it something that's workable without having to do a raised bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that was just, I don't know why we didn't, but yeah, the raised beds really do help here. If you want like an immediate blast of something really healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've noticed that all the raised beds that we put in, I mean, they're, Because, of course, you're, like, immediately putting in fresh compost, fresh, you know, worm castings, fresh, you know, all the stuff is so fresh and so good, and then blending in the soil underneath as well. But um, because of that, everything is massively healthy. But um, It takes no time at all, right? Right, exactly. But we kind of felt like it would be nice to have, like, an overall landscape that kind of worked together. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I mean, I'm not sure there was like any specific reason why we didn't, but we just kind of felt like let's try to get like some cohesive thing going across the landscape as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely, I mean, all the, everybody recommends raised beds around here. Um, And that's, you know, what we have, I mean, for our location, the, spot where the garden is in the yard is, was lower to begin with. We actually had to bring in a little bit of um, just like clean field dirt to kind of raise that area up or good Lord, I would be flooding worse than I already do. Right. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so it's just raised beds, just the way my yard works makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I do like the idea of not having to do all that and be like you said, being able to build the soil, but I think most, especially beginning gardeners, don't want to waste that time of building a soil for two or three years to have something good. So, 
Yeah. Well, well, no, I mean, it's definitely, I can, you know, when we put in the pepper patch and everything was like just lush and amazing, you know, right from the get go, it was like, yeah, I mean, I get it. (laughs) Totally. And you want that hit of like, oh yeah, I can garden. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like instant gratification. Right. Um, So are you, so you said you brought a designer in. Did, are you, is she designing it and planting it or are you doing the planting and she kind of guiding you along? Yeah, she is in Connecticut. So she okay. basically just did, you know, I sent her, t- you know, the tons of pictures, tons of um, um, plot plans and, and, and site um, sketches and told her, you know, she pretty much, we sat on the phone and like went back and forth for hours, but it was, you know, well, where do you have spots that are wet and where do they get, you know, yeah, just all of the things they need to know. And so she really had a good idea and just how we use the property and how we wanted to be working around it and where we wanted to have food and where we wanted to sit and where we wanted to be. And, and, um, it was, it was really good because there were a lot of things that you just take for granted being in a property that you just use it the way it is. And she just did these subtle little things that changed it up so massively for us that it was really nice to see another perspective. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so she did the plans and we will be then implementing in phases because she knows that it's just us doing it. So yeah, it'll take a while. Right. Yeah. I know you were kind of, I don't know, down in the dumps a little this summer saying, do we stay here? What do we do? But it sounds like it's kind of turned around for you that it makes, now that you have a plan, things are looking up. I guess it feels a little better. It does. Well, it's nice to be able to have like hope that you can do something that feels a little bit more aligned with what your, your outlook is on things anyway. Mm -hmm. And that maybe there's a way that you could do that and implement it into your garden too, instead of, you know, feeling like, I don't know, it was, was, we always, obviously, again, there's always work, but it it just didn't feel like we were getting anywhere with the soil. Yeah. So at least I feel like, okay, so now we have a plan and let's try this. And it it feels like a little more hopeful than what I was feeling this past summer. (laughs) I was like, not again, the soil. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're in a much tougher area of the state just because, I mean, you're getting into the more the limestone. And I know when I was in Austin last weekend, Chris and I were joking about, um, I don't know, he was fishing on the river and came. I was like, yeah, if we were homesteading, we'd eaten fish and, I'd probably, and I was like, there's juniper berry. We were thinking about all the weird stuff we'd be right. foraging. And then he's like, yeah, I would probably have a garden. And that was, and it just went over my head. I'm like, oh my God, how would I garden here? Exactly. <laughs> it's so dry and you'd have to have access. I mean, it's just a whole nother world compared to where I'm at here. So I just, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a different climate all across Texas. There's all these different little ecosystems everywhere. Yes. Yes. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing, you know, when you look at Texas gardening and it's it's not one size fits all, that's for sure. No, not at all. Yeah. So so what uh, kind of perennials are you trying to incorporate into your new garden plan? So we're, we're still coming up with like what's going to happen. But, you know, we got the tree collards. That was like one of the oh, things yeah. that we got yeah, that you had mentioned. Um, we are there's. There's a whole butterfly garden area that's all perennials and natives mm-hmm. um, that we're doing um, next to the food garden. Um, and that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be pretty good. Um, we're, there's very few herbs that come in for us perennial besides like thyme and mint. And obviously the rosemary is always around. Yeah. Um, you know, sage, we've had good luck with that coming back quite a bit, but I think it's going to be like trial and error for most things. Like I'm not sure what's going to come back every year. Oregano usually comes back for me and does it? Um, it actually doesn't usually freeze back much. It actually gets killed by floods, but <laughs> um, and a couple strains will come back and um, 
that's has been, I'm kind of waiting for it to really bounce back again after uh, this round. But uh, yeah, I think oregano and chives, chives last for forever. I've right. never had them really die. Um, but yeah, I, I struggle too with the perennial aspect in our garden. Um, I feel like, I don't know, what do I actually use versus what do I want to take up space, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. And that's kind of, you know, we have like a small list of things that, I mean, I really like collards and chard and do, we always want that around 24 seven, you know, 365 days a year. Um, But if it's gonna, I mean, I don't know, like we have to just see once we get into the point where they're in the ground and doing their own thing. Like, I'm not sure how that happens, to be honest. Yeah. You know? Are you, um, you going to plant any fruit trees? Or I really would like to get some Texas persimmon. That's right. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've been looking into that. Um, I was curious about the Yopon. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious about that as well. What? Give me some of mine. <laughs> oh, do you have some? Oh, gosh. oh, it's like, I mean, you come this way. It's like Yopon everywhere. It's just, I mean, that's what the big thicket's known for is like Yopon thickets. So, okay. um, I'll yeah. Come visit you someday. Then. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like you, yeah, you had said recently you could eat, make it, uh, dry the leaves for tea. And that's only something I learned in the last year too. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And so, you know, incorporating some things like that, we're going to move one of the figs. We had this person gave us a fig tree and we have three others already and it's a different variety. So I want to move that one near the house and kind of, I don't know, have like different food areas all Mm -hmm. over. And I mean, well, we never really grow anything that isn't food unless it's a pollinator. Um, It seems like most of our flowers are also edible. You know, we have right. lots of calendula. We have, you know, roses that, well, they're really in a poor spot, but they were in the front. Somebody had put them there. And I think we might move them so that they are a little bit healthier. And then the, you know, brambles, those are nice because they're taking over a little bit. So we have blackberries and. Right. So you have wild blackberries? Well, they're not wild. We actually got some at um, Natural Gardener, was it last year or the year before? I think two years ago now. Okay. Um, And the raspberries never took off. We planted them for the past couple of years, never took off. So we're just giving up on that. But blackberries, they've been doing good. They've been holding on. And and, uh, last year they produced a lot. So we'll see. Um. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry, I switched subjects a little bit because you're talking about blackberries and made me think about your prickly pear harvest. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what that. Um, I guess, is this the first time you've gone doing that and making the, all that syrup? No, it's been years that we've been doing this. So we, I'm trying to even think what year we started. It's been at least five years. Okay. Um, but yeah, so every August, September, like it's, I think it's, mid-September, really, when they're mostly, you know, really full-on fruit, you know. But, um, yeah, so we go out and we pick. And this year we did a little bit overkill when we went because we didn't realize how much we had done in the past. I guess we forgot or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, we picked a lot. We picked, I think it was like five of those five-gallon pails. Oh, my. Yeah, and it took – about a week to process. It was pretty intensive. Um, but then, you know, we make a prickly pear syrup out of it and we did, I think three or four different versions of it this year. And, um, and actually I think someday soon there's a, a blog post about it on a friend's website here locally. And, uh, I'll have to share that link with you too, but I think he's posting it, our, our prickly pear syrup recipe and just a little post about it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like be interested in it. That was another thing. We have some prickly pears in this area, but you know, obviously definitely more in your neck of the woods. Um, so I was noticing all of that this weekend and I was like, I wish I could go. You were made me inspired because I thought it'd be nice to have something different uh, in my preserves too. Well, I will let you know next year and you can come with us as long as you yeah. have really solid shoes on because I did not. And I ran into 
two rattlesnakes and my husband ran into one and it's scared. I mean, I've never jumped so high and ran so fast. It was just terrible. I, I could have gotten really hurt. It was really not very smart. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, snake chops too, probably might be. Yeah. Good. Um, yes. Yeah, so what else are you foraging? So you get Yopan and, and the, the uh, prickly pear. Are you doing anything else that you've been, I know you said you wanted to find Texas persimmon to taste them too. Right. You know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we've been looking for. Yeah, because you were mentioning you were interested in in doing kind of a foraging yeah, thing I at mean, one point. <laughs> I mean, it would be really nice to be able to move in that direction. And I kind of feel like whenever we get things, that's kind of what we think about a lot more than, you know, oh, this is a pretty tree or, oh, this is a, you know, whatever. Whenever I think of buying something, I think, okay, what how can, can I we, use it? Yeah. How can we make food from it and what can we do with it and how would it help or yeah, I think, it, you know, we're kind of creating this little place that has all the things we need in it, hopefully at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it takes time. Like, I, I know that, you know, as as much as you can have a plan and as much as you, um, you know, put all these things together, it really does take trial and error and time. And you have to work through all those things to get to the point where you have a working system. And I think it's like, what, five to 10 years? I would imagine that's pretty normal for even getting things going, don't you? Yeah, I would say I think five years is probably like the minimum for to feel like you've actually gotten to somewhere with what you have and probably 10 for, you know, things like fruit trees, because yeah, you know, it takes a couple of years where you're like, well, you don't actually want them to produce the fruit because you want them to grow the roots and to, to, to fill out a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're still like, we have you know several citrus that <laughs> are, we're trying to get going and it's going to be several years before we're even seeing citrus on that. So yeah. Well, oh, and the kumquat. Do you grow kumquats? No, we don't do. We don't. That we have a lemon, an orange, or maybe two oranges. So. Okay. Yeah, those those have been really good for us, and they've been very tasty, and they seem to be pretty consistent year to year. Okay. Yeah, I know. I saw uh, a nursery here used to have a kumquat espalier. Is that how you pronounce that? And I was loved it so much and I really, really wanted it, but we didn't really have a place for that. So um, yeah, I've always, kumquats are something I've been interested in. That and loquats too. I bet you could grow loquats. We do, we have two loquats. I think we might need, need to move them because I don't think that they're getting enough sun, even though mm. I, I think that they're fine in the shade too. But I, for some reason, I feel like it's a light problem that they're having, mm-hmm. but, but we still haven't, we've had them two years and they haven't produced um, the blooms. Okay. So something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know some trees and I don't know specifically in that one, some trees will take several years before they produce blooms. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So what do you got planted right now? So we just did, of course we did the main like vegetable garden and we have, um, what's turnips, carrots. Um, we put in a whole bunch of different beets um, chard, some more collards, some more, um, leeks. Um, we still have the, um, the loofah coming in. Wow. It comes in like all at once. It's like this massive input of loofah and you can barely keep up with eating it all. Um, and how's eating it been? Has it been like, like a squash kind of thing? It's curious. Yeah. It's really interesting. So we like it a lot, but it's not like I can really describe it other than it feels like a eggplant on the inside. It's kind of spongy like that. Okay. Um, and it tastes more like squash. Like it's really soft when you cook it. Hmm. Um, we've been doing a lot of Indian dishes. Okay. Yeah. I've never eaten it. I've just grown it and we let it grow full out and then we peel the skin and we have our loofahs. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this year I tried to sow some, but I have some older seed and I was like, well, I need to get this older seed out of here. Let's see if it'll germinate. And some did. And I had some deer poke their nose through and pull them out. So, Oh no. <laughs> um, so they did not take off this year, which, you know, maybe next year. So yeah, well ours and it took, um, I think we planted it in spring and we thought, Oh, surely we'll get some before summer starts. And, you know, and that big like heat wave comes, mm-hmm. but 
it wasn't until I was able to somehow keep them alive, you know, all summer. And um, it wasn't until just recently, like the past month, that they looked like they were blooming, like full bloom, and everything was starting to have little baby loofahs on it. And I was like, huh. So it took a really long time. They're not, you know, it wasn't immediate that they were ready to bloom. Right. Or for yeah. us, at least. Yeah, I think I've noticed that in the past. They just put on a ton of growth and then finally have a certain, I don't know, who knows what triggers the blooming, but maybe it's a certain temperature or... Right. Metric pressure, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I definitely want to grow them again. I'm glad to know that you, that eating them was good. So I may have to try that next time. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, we've been, we even had it this morning. We had a, um, it was an egg scramble with them. So. I wonder if it'd be good like zucchini bread, shredding it up. Oh, yeah. I bet it would be. I'll have to look for a recipe for that. There's yeah. got to be. I mean, yeah. You could yeah. probably just sub that in, maybe too. Hmm. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So planting seeds and you're always offering up um, on your Instagram times that you say, hey, the moon's in this cycle. You should plant your root crops this time. And as we've talked about, it's kind of biodynamic gardening. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Like just maybe a primer uh, yeah. for people who might not be familiar with that. So when we started, we started doing planting by the moon just because it was in the old farmer's almanac and somebody gave us a farmer's almanac every, every year for the holidays or something. And so I was like, huh, I wonder if that works. So we tried it and um, it's, I mean, as you know, it's just based on the moon phases and um, I think people have been using it for thousands of years. It's not like it's a new thing to do or anything, mm-hmm. um, but it's just based on the idea that the moon has a gravitational force that affects the moisture in the earth. Kind of similar to how it affects like bodies of water and tidal levels, like how mm-hmm. they go up and down. Okay. And so when the water is being drawn up into the soil during certain moon phases, they're going to like, you know, during the full moon or whatever, um, the seeds you plant will just have like that little extra bit of hydration. Okay. So in the other phases and, and, you know, it's also a little more in depth, like it goes through, you know, the, the astrological signs as well, but basically that's the gist of it. And when it's, so when it's increasing in light, when it's waxing, the moon is waxing in new moon in the first quarter, that's when you're going to plant above ground crops because they need a lot, you know, they, they need that extra moisture in the soil to, you know, be able to grow. And then when it's waning, the decreasing light, the full moon in the third quarter, you're going to be planting all of your below ground crops. And it's, it's just a way that we've been doing it. And it's not, I mean, I feel like it, it makes them a little bit stronger, but yeah, it's not scientifically proven. There's no, um, I mean, there's been studies on it, but nothing's like conclusively said this actually works and it's, you know, the best thing to do. Right. Okay. It's, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> and that, you know, and it may be one of those things that may not be able to be proven because there's so many other factors involved too. Right. Right. So, I mean, we do it and, you know, we also don't do it. You know, sometimes if I miss a week and I'm like, oh my God, it's already time for the other crops to be in. And, and I'm like, oh, well, we'll just put it in and see what happens because, you know, the best time to plant is when you are there and doing it. So, right. Yeah. So we do it both, you know, we try to do it mostly that way, but we also do it the other way too. Now, have you kept uh, any, I mean, you have a garden journal business. <laughs> I guess you've kept pretty good data on, um, on how that has worked. I mean, you, can you see trim, trends for yourself, I guess, when you do follow that cycle? Yeah. I mean, we haven't measured in particular, but we do notice that things are taller and more able to like fight off any, you know, infestations or whatnot. Like it seems like to us that when we do do it that way, 
things are healthier from the get go. You know, right. it's, 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 you know, again, like you said, it's all types of factors along the way, but yeah, it seems like they get a better start. They are a little bit stronger. They, you know, so yeah, so that's why we do it because we've noticed a difference when we don't, but yeah, again, unless you're like really measuring each and every plant and, you know, it's, it's hard to be, we'd have to really do a scientific study to even feel like we had a good handle on it, I think. Right. Don't you think? I mean, how, yeah, how else of course. would you do that? Yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you'd have to take into consideration, like like, you, like I said, all the other factors involved, like rain and heat and, you know, yeah. soil and all that good stuff. So Exactly. And it changes every year, so it's kind of hard to, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so the other part that I did – Barely, I researched a little bit about biodynamics, and then I I happened to listen to a podcast about someone who did biodynamic wine. But um, there's a lot of fermenting of compost. Do you do much about that, or is it something that's kind of beyond what you guys handle? Yeah, we don't. You know, we've really been doing a lot more of the worm composting this year than anything. Um, but yeah, we've I read about that after you mentioned that. I read about the the fermented compost and to me it feels like there's a lot of things that you're getting from other people and again that was something that we felt like we wanted to kind of avoid if we could Mm -hmm. so you'd have to grow what were there I forget what it even said but it was there's certain plants that you need to have put in the mix and and whatnot. And most people order that. Like, so you, mm. you order all these things to put in that. And, and again, I don't do it. So I could be totally not knowing how it's, you know, but Done, what I, right. what, yeah, what I read was, you know, there's like these plants that you layer in between and you do all these things in between. And it's like, it felt like too much, um, outside, outside stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for us. So yeah. we don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, definitely don't do any of that kind of thing. All of our compost is typical, whatever we got from the yard or or the veg or the kitchens. So right, our yeah, kitchen us too. Kind of thing, so. Yeah, and we do that daily. I mean, that's like a regular. You know, I'm sure just like you, it's you know, you add to it regularly, and there it is. But yeah, 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 yeah. I probably should be better about turning mine. I don't turn mine nearly as often. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, us too. <laughs> Or chopping up, or chopping things up small enough. I, I'm right. like a real bad person with that. I'll like you know pull things from the garden and just throw it in there, and then I'm like, I'm chastised for having like too large of things in the compost. Yeah, <laughs> my husband will come by. You didn't chop that up enough. I'm like, right. Right. I'll go back to it later. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was busy at the moment. Thanks. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like I could up my, we could up up our compost game. Um, you know, I see people putting things like Q-tips. I mean, not the ones that have the plastic on them, but you know, the whole cotton or paper ones and, you know, we'll throw a paper towel in if it's, you know, just got fruit or on it or something I just barely wiped down. But I feel like I could do so much more in the composting side of things. I know there are other people who'd like compost everything. And there's even like the Bokashi method where you can compost meat. And I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah. Have <laughs> you ever read I feel like I could book, do more. Have you ever read the book zero waste home? No, it's one of my, I mean the whole zero waste thing I've gotten to thinking even more of in the last several months. I mean, you listen to the slow home podcast too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's their big thing right now has been zero race. And so I've, I've been thinking about that even more. So, yeah, well, it's, it's funny because, you know, we've been composting for a long time, but then reading, I, when I read that book just recently, um, I started thinking about other things. I was like, wow, oh, I've totally forgot about, you know, half of the things we could be composting. Like you said, like, you know the Q-tips or the, you know, certain papers that I could have been putting in there that I, I don't know why I just didn't because I think I put them in the worm compost. Mm. And so they never go outside. Right. And there's just so much more, you know, that you can do than I think, I think we can always do more. Like, I think that's just something to keep 
always reminding ourselves of little bitty things that we could add up because all the little things add up to be big things. Yeah. And something else that has also been, think I've been thinking about on that method is that, so we put a lot of things in our burn pile, um, you know, big limbs and bigger things that we have to cut down or whatnot. And I, I feel like maybe we should have a separate, and my husband does it because it's not going to compost down in any time, kind of fast time period. Um, but I feel like, okay, well now we're polluting, <laughs> we're sending all that carbon into the atmosphere. Right. Um, so maybe we should have a little separate debris pile. That's, you know, it's maybe take a year or two to compost down instead of the six months we wanted. And, um, you know, just something I've been, th- just like you said, zero waste, trying to do better than what I'm already doing. And I know, I, I know we both probably do far beyond what the majority of other people do, but it's like, what, what are we doing that's, how can I get better? <laughs> so Yeah, it's like something you check in with like on a yearly basis and be like, okay, well, what could I add? Like what little bitty thing could I add in that I'm not doing now? That's yeah. kind of help me look at things. Right. But did you, okay, this is something else and I can't even remember what it's called. I know there's a name for it, but we were curious about it last year and we might do one little pile for it. It was um, compost. So you take all of, you know, and you can get your, when your neighbors start putting out their leaves, you can think about this. Mm-hmm. So you go and you grab all their leaves and you put it into a big pile and you layer that with coffee grounds. So you're going to have to go to like Starbucks or somewhere and get, you know, massive amounts of coffee grounds, I would imagine. But, and that's it. Like if you have, and, and you can, um, you know, grind up the leaves so that they're even smaller and it'll take a lot less time to do. But the whole bin was just coffee grounds and leaves. And apparently it is just wonderful for your plants. No, I mean, we put the leaves, we'll put the leaves in our compost. My husband will shred them up. And then, yeah, when I, there's a Starbucks in our grocery store that, so every time I go, I usually ask them, ask them if they have any bags. And sometimes they have one. Sometimes they have like, I've gotten like 15 before wow. <laughs> with all these bags. And I'm like, what have you guys been storing them for? <laughs> so, um, and I, I'll dump those in my compost like itself, but I've never thought about it doing it as a separate kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. like for things like figs and whatnot, like, you know, of course we do like the, we mound probably, you know, five to eight inches of just plain leaves every winter near the the figs because they love that. Um, But I've been curious about this after hearing that coffee and the leaf combination that it was just like really incredibly nourishing for plants. I thought, well, let's just try that. So that's one thing that we're going to think about doing this winter whenever people start putting their leaves out because they don't care. I mean, no, oh man. I'm like, just, just at least mow it, y'all, and leave it on right, the grass. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Up with your mower. <laughs> That's uh, what we do. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what we've done. We'll do the needles. Uh, the needles. I was thinking about cypress needles. We get cypress needles from my in-laws because they have a cypress ah. tree in their yard. And those are, those are actually super great for a mulch. Like, we've used them, and we don't usually have enough to do the whole vegetable garden, but we've done a better two. I really like that. And they break, it does break down a lot faster than like a wood mulch, but um, I feel like it, it's just thicker. It's fluffier. Um, yeah. It's not something you're going to come by very easily, but you know, someone with a cypress tree. So right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the leaves in the, uh, I will pick up leaves. Um, I'll do grass clippings. Yeah. Obviously you get to kind of be careful about, obviously if you're in a neighborhood, they may have like chemicals on their greens, but <laughs> Yeah, that's done that. So there's a couple neighbors that we won't take from. <laughs> you know the, the the lawn guy comes to visit. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there's a couple that were like, oh yeah, whatever. Let's hone in on those. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So you've kind of put your business on hold this year. Um. I guess you feel pretty good about doing that. I do. It was kind of a hard decision. I was back and forth quite a bit about it. But then once it just came, it was clear we needed to do it. We needed to put it on hold. And um, there was just a lot of personal stuff going on this year. And um, 
I think that it's going to be even better, though, for us, because I feel like we've uh, started thinking about a whole bunch of new projects that would be really fun to do, adding into it Mm -hmm. for next year, that I think it's going to be good. Everyone needs a break sometimes, and sometimes I think that when you're able to just take a step back and really think about everything, it just it makes everything better. I don't know. You kind of have a renewed vigor or something with things that you didn't have before when you were just kind of going through and, and trying to like, you know, work personal and business and it's not working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely can relate. <laughs> I mean, I told you a little this summer, I was kind of like, ah, oh, do I want to do this podcast? And I don't know. Finally, when I just kind of stopped worrying and I now have like a million ideas in my head. So right, <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, now I am excited again. I'm really, I'm really liking where hopefully, hopefully it'll be a good season. And um, I don't know. I just like talking about plants and gardens and thinking about them. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I was too. Like, I don't know, you know, it was just too much at one point, but then like when we were talking this summer, I was, you know, I think I had shared with you mm-hmm. and, um, and then all of a sudden when just the, the changing the thinking to, okay, well then let's just put it down. It just, it really did. It opens up everything. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, that would be really fun. Let's do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. You just reprioritize and realize what you really, your goals are really are. So. Right. And of course, like that's the, the same thing that you were just talking about. Like I love plants and I love you know, growing food for us. And I love doing things with the food that we grow. And, you know, that's not going to change. Even if I put away the garden keeper, you know, for a little bit, it's not going to go away. It's just going to be different maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So one last thing you just mentioned, you got monarchs coming through. Yes. Um, (laughs) And you have a lot. (laughs) I have a ton. (laughs) Um, yeah, there should be probably four actually out in my cage right now that have eclosed. Um, they were looking pretty like they were going to hatch this morning. They always, they always seem to around eight o'clock right after I've left to go to work, they like to come out. So, um, yeah. And then I've got more, I've got more caterpillars in the tent. I've got caterpillars out in the garden and, um, but yeah, what kind of milkweed are you growing? We got from the native, I'm looking to see if I can even find it. Let's see. It's right here. Let's see what we got. I'm trying to find it. Okay. Well, it's the green milkweed, and I forget the name. Um, Beard do you know the name? Beardifolia, beard beard of something. Yes. Um, yeah. Beardus, <laughs> maybe? It's that one. It was the native to this area milkweed. Yeah. yeah. So the green milkweed. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that is what we're going to plant, and we're going to plant that in an area that's going to be kind of the Fukuoka start, okay. <laughs> our little Fukuoka spot. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to do that, and um, there's a couple other areas that we're going to do just a big native um, butterfly blend mix um, in the in the front, I think, too, but um yeah, I, I think I've never actually, we've never grown milkweed here. Um, do you have milkweed? You do, don't you? Yeah, I have, um, I have the tropical milkweed and I okay. have some of the butterfly milkweed. Um, and I've, I've grown swamp milkweed, but I, I don't know, you know, swamp milkweed is supposed to be able to handle wet better, but I don't know, maybe my soil or the light, something's not right because it'll grow for a while and then it just dies. Okay. Um, but the, Butterfly milkweed in the tropical always come back. And in our neighborhood, we have green milkweed just like growing wild too. Um, So, and I've, I've, when they have seed pods, I've been trying to get some established in our like right away area by our mailbox. So I'm like, get some more milkweed going in here to attract more pollinators. And um, so I've been trying to get seeds from that. And I know, um, I don't know if you're growing from seed or from plant, but a lot of the seeds you got to like vernalize in the, um, fridge for about three weeks or so and then right it and, it, and it comes up we've but we've never had we've never had problems doing that that works great from seeds so yeah yeah that's what we we did we went uh it was the native seed company yeah yeah we, yeah we've been getting a, a lot from them lately just because it seems to be a good source of natives yeah i've bought seeds from there before for a couple like small things um 
And we've bought stuff from Wild Seed Farm, but I, I like the, I was looking at the mixes, like you said, from the native seed. Um, I like their mixes. They look like they're a little more native. <laughs> yeah, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They seem good. I like so, them. Yeah, you have to let me know how your seeding goes. I will. So, well, I guess we should probably wrap up a little bit. We talked a good long time. I know we could probably both talk for I know. <laughs> And someday, you know, I feel like since you've been to Peckerwood, I, we should meet there someday, you know, just to like go and visit. And it looks so pretty. I, I want to go there, but yes, nobody here that they're interested in going. So oh. I'll go by it's myself. It's definitely a farther drive for you than me. It's only about 30 yeah. minutes for me. But yeah, we should definitely do that. Yeah. So. Um, well, I guess you want to tell anybody where they can find you and uh, and keep up with your garden? Right now, I'm just on Instagram at Garden Keeper, um, Garden, and it's Keeper, K-E-E-P-R, mm-hmm. and until the site goes back up. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am, and we're just here in Central Texas, just <laughs> doing our thing. <laughs> well, thanks for coming back on and just having a good chat with me, too. I like it's, It was nice to, you know, just have free form. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear about, um, or, well, we're excited to also grow the um, seeds that you gave us. Oh, yeah, the Formosa lilies. Yeah. yeah. So we've been, um, we've been trying to think of, do we do it in spring? I'm guessing spring is when the time yeah, is Yeah, I think you could them. put them up. Yeah, if you just, they're really, they don't need to be covered very much at all. You can just kind of sprinkle them up, put a little bit okay. of dirt on them, and they'll come up. They they recede very easily for me too. So kind of almost obnoxious sometimes, but um, so yeah, that's something to know once, if you don't want them more, just cut the seed pods off after they form. So. Okay. And do you do it in full sun or they part? Mine are kind of in a part sun, part shade area. So um, I think they would handle full sun. Well, it's Texas. So (laughs) I wouldn't say full sun, (laughs) you know, maybe the midday, a little bit of shade. So. Right. Okay. So yeah, so we're, we're excited. We'll have to send you updates on that too. Right. All right. Well, thanks again for talking and we'll chat again later. Yeah. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.